0: Welcome back. We were supposed to do the second episode of Explain Both Sides this week. Last week, we did the first episode of Explain Both Sides. This week, we're going to do the second one. But then the narrative in the NFL sort of took a left-hand turn, and I wanted to make sure I was being timely and mentally agile. So we're going to adjust. The topic du jour in the NFL right now is that of running backs. And the reason why running back and specifically running back value have been front of mind is because three franchise tagged running backs, Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants, Josh Jacobs of the Los Angeles Raiders, and Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys, all failed to reach long-term deals with their respective organizations before the deadline for franchise tagged players expired. And... When this happened, it set off a narrative firestorm due in part to other running backs around the league commenting on social media about how ridiculous it is that running backs can't get meaningful contracts moving forward. Derrick Henry, for example, chimed in. Austin Eckler chimed in. It later came out in a report that a lot of these running backs are part of a group chat and that this was an orchestrated social media push to get the narrative front of mind. Well, guess what? It worked because that's what we're all talking about. And that's what I'm talking about this week. Hopefully we will get back to the second episode of Explain Both Sides next week. But I want to make sure I'm being timely. And so we're going to talk a little bit about running back value. We're going to talk about why it matters. We're going to talk about if it's a problem. And if it is, how would one go about fixing it? A couple of years ago, I wrote a piece for buffalorumblings.com on running back value. And I want to refer back to it. And I want to talk about it because it's been a long time since we've talked about it. It's a good refresher. Right away, the phrase running backs don't matter is a bad phrase. You are starting off the conversation from a spot of intellectual dishonesty. So I have never uttered that phrase and I will never utter that phrase except in jest. Because you're starting off the conversation with hyperbole, which is bad. I know that people do that when they have a take and it's hot or they have an opinion and it's strong. That's the moment where you should be most careful with your words, not least careful. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to draw attention. And so you say something like running backs don't matter. Because you know it's going to solicit a response. And you go, well, I didn't exactly mean it like that. Well, then don't say it like that. We start off the conversation with completely dishonest intellectual discussion. And then we, oh, why are you so defensive? Because you specifically chose that phrasing to inflame people. You didn't come to this conversation with the idea that you were actually going to have a meaningful value-based discussion. You weren't going to do it. You wanted to ruffle feathers, you got ruffled feathers, and then you throw your hands up and go, oh, why is everyone so mad at me? Because you're being annoying, that's the answer. Stop doing things where you say something inflammatory and then you get pushed back and you go, oh no. Just start with an intellectually honest statement that is defensible in its very literal form and then you don't have to worry about this. So running backs don't matter is a bad statement. So don't say it, I won't say it. Sound good? Good. Now, running backs do matter because every position matters. The question is not if they matter. It's a relative to how much they matter. So it's important to clarify the terminology. For the purposes of this discussion, we will define value as how probable is it that the variance in talent at a position will impact the winning and losing of football games over the course of a statistically significant period of time. I will I will go ahead and repeat that. Value is defined as how probable is it that the variance in talent at a position will impact the winning and losing of football games over the course of a statistically significant period of time. Football, we've said this before, is not a game of possibilities. Almost anything's possible. Almost anything's possible in football. It's crazy. Some of the stuff that was absolutely insane about 2022, you've already forgotten. Do you remember when a Patriots player threw a backwards pass in a tie game with zero seconds left and it was intercepted by Chandler Jones, who then bowled over Mac Jones and ran into the end zone for touchdown. The Patriots lost to the Raiders. That was insane. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of how probable is it to happen. A long snapper, Reed Ferguson, great long snapper, could theoretically have a large impact on losing you a singular football game. His impact on one game doesn't necessarily mean long snappers are now to be valued at first-round picks and double-digit APY contracts because the probability is that a team could go years or decades without long snapper talent variance becoming an issue that costs a team a game. When was the last time you saw multiple games being decided by long snapper variants. Not a lot. Can it happen? Yes. Does it happen often? No. So assessing value is important. Every snap does matter. When every snap matters, one snap that goes really well or really badly can impact the team. And by extension, it impacts the fan base. This is the thing that impacts our discussion about value. One pass thrown to the end zone against the Houston Texans in the playoffs that Duke Williams should have caught might make the fan base clamor for a contested catch guy if that one player would have caught it, if that one play would have gone differently. You can clamor for a contested catch guy for an entire offseason because of that one play. The emotional effect that that play had on the fan base and the possibility of that play ending differently conflicts with the probability that's necessary to evaluate positional value. Running backs don't matter actually means, and it should be phrased as, the running game affects winning and losing less than passing game, and the running back position affects the running game little. Therefore, running backs matter less. You could do an entire podcast series on just that. But let's boil it down to two principles. This is why running backs are experiencing diminished value in the NFL. First, yards per attempt is greater than yards per carry in almost all circumstances. Therefore, in a vacuum, passing every down would theoretically gain more yards and therefore create more opportunities to score points than running every down. Let's go back to 2019. Mitchell Trubisky was the 32nd ranked quarterback in the NFL in yards per attempt, 6.1. Raheem Mostert led the NFL in yards per carry by a running back, 5.6. That means if you you put these things in a vacuum, having the worst starting quarterback in the NFL by yards per attempt throw the ball every single play over time would net your team more yards than the best running back in football in terms of yards per carry. The worst passing was still better than the best rushing when it comes to gaining yards. Number two, the passing game on offense and defense is the most correlative factor to winning and losing games. And the Super Bowl is the ultimate goal of winning and losing games the quality of the quarterback is most correlated to a successful offensive passing game. Therefore, in roster management with finite resources, any resource spent on the running game cannot then be used on the passing game. And it's increasing the team's likelihood of reaching the Super Bowl less by expending those resources in the running game than it would have had if they would have spent it in the passing game. We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to rehash it. We did an entire podcast on the myth of passing and stopping the pass not being as important as running and stopping the run. That's a myth. Passing and stopping the pass is more important than running and stopping the run. The data is there. It's an open shut case. Is it possible to win a Super Bowl without an elite-level passing game? Yes. Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson... Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, weren't consistently excellent quarterbacks. They just had flashes or they were carried by other things. It's not impossible for you to win a Super Bowl without a really good quarterback. It's just improbable. Now, this is important. Everything I just said is true. But that doesn't mean you should pass the ball every single snap. Why? If I just said that passing the ball every snap with one of the worst quarterbacks in football is better from a yards per carry standpoint than rushing the ball with the best running back in football from a yards per carry standpoint, then why on earth would I not then say you should pass the ball every snap? The important thing here is that the goal on every play is not to gain the most amount of yardage. How much yardage that is gained on average in a vacuum on a particular type of play does not matter when the sample size is one. The goal of every play is to increase your probability of victory, not to gain the most yards. Maximum average yardage in a vacuum may or may not accomplish that goal. Sometimes the goal of a play is to kill clock. Sometimes the goal of a play is to set up your kicker for a game winning field goal at the hash where his probability of conversion is higher. On a third and one play, In your own territory, or fourth and one play right outside field goal range, it does not matter what the average yards per attempt of a particular play is. It matters what the probability is that the play that you run will get the offense one yard. Highest possibility of getting one yard, not the highest average yards per play. Those are not the same thing. There's an entire advanced metric. Success rate? It's built around this idea that achieving a goal on a specific play, it differs based on down and based on distance. It's not necessarily part of my argument, but it's important to note that there's a variability in the definition of success. It's not always gain the maximum amount of yards you possibly can in a vacuum on this play. If it was, you'd throw every play. But that's not the way the NFL works. Running backs and the running game help the offense in those situations unquestionably more than the passing game. If those situations contribute to a team winning in-game, then by the transitive property, running backs contribute to the team winning a game. If running backs contribute to success in those situations, and success in those situations contributes to winning a game, then running backs contribute to winning a game. They do. Second thing. Probabilities matter less in small sample sizes an elite running game is a hedge against quarterback injury. There comes a time when having more talented players touching the ball is better than less talented players touching the ball. The best team in the NBA usually wins the championship. just the way it works. We've talked about this before, sample size. I mean, seven-game series. It's designed that way. The NFL has a survive-and-advance one-game playoff. The best team does not always win the Super Bowl. If you expend a resource to hedge against a quarterback injury, that is a diversification of assets. If you have one stock and it performs on average better than every other stock on the market, no financial consultant worth their salt will tell you to invest 100% of your money in that stock. Well, why wouldn't you, Bruce? It's the best stock on the market. That doesn't mean it's the where you should put all your money because performance over time isn't only about maximizing gain, but also about minimizing loss, which is where diversification of resources come into play. The drop-off in Super Bowl probability from passing focused team to running focused team is typically not going to be the same level of drop-off from starting franchise quarterback. Who's top in the league to that next guy. Think about the drop-off from Josh Allen-led air raid passing to James Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, power running game, play-action passing, controlling, playing good defense. Now think about that drop-off versus passing-focused team, Josh Allen air raid to Kyle Allen air raid-focused team. That drop-off is more significant. Nick Foles, backup quarterback. He put on the performance of a lifetime, Super Bowl. But the 2000 Baltimore Ravens and the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers could have likely won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterbacks. Tony Banks, Rob Johnson. Because their teams had invested resources in a running game and a defense that would serve as a hedge against starting quarterback injury. Running backs have value because the running game is a hedge. It's nice to have a hedge. So running backs have value. That's not the question. The question is how much value do they have? I've made it before. I've talked about it. I don't want to draft a running back in the first round. I don't want to give a running back a a big second contract. So I'm on the team side when it comes to this with Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. I wouldn't do it either. The important thing to establish here is we've talked about them having value. They do have value for all the reasons we talked about. But all those things I said, it's secondary, tertiary, quaternary value. It's not primary, pay them $16 million a year, pay them $14 million a year kind of value. It's value as a backup plan. It's value as a hedge. It's value as a specialist. All the things we just talked about. But it's not where you would invest a chunk of money in a limited resource environment. It's not something you would lean on by choice. It's not something you would go, yes, my number one goal is to do that with the running backs. I want to do that. So the first thing is, is there a problem? And I say no. This is simply the market working as the market works because the NFL is a passing-focused league. Running backs can help in the passing game. They do. Absolutely. Austin Eckler, great weapon in the passing game. But even the best running backs in the passing game aren't going to move the needle as far as EPA per play as much as throwing the ball to wide receivers and tight ends down the field. Again, throwing the ball to the running backs. It's better than a sack. Like it better than a sack. Definitely want to have that option. But again, I don't want to focus on it. You see where I'm going with this. Running backs value is as a backup to other things. It's as a hedge against your quarterback getting hurt. It's a specialist in a specific situation where you need to get one yard and you might have a higher probability of doing it by running than by passing. It's avoiding a sack. It's a floor value, not a ceiling value. Yes, it provides value when things aren't going optimally. Yes, it provides value when when I need to get a very specialized task completed that is better completed by a running back. But none of the things I just mentioned are big dollar stuff. All that stuff is, yeah, it's good to have that. But I'm not going to pay big money for that. I don't think there's an issue. I think what's really happening is people who grew up in a different era where a lot of the things that I just mentioned were not the status of the NFL a lot of those people are lamenting the fact that the NFL that they grew up with isn't the NFL they live in anymore. Man, I liked star running backs. I liked it when I watched Thurman Thomas and Emmitt Smith and Barry Sanders. I liked it. So really what we're doing is we're reacting emotionally to this. People are going, well, I don't like this. And the reason you don't like this is because the NFL is different than the NFL used to be. But it's simply the market operating the way the market operates. Wide receiver value isn't down. Quarterback value isn't down. Offensive line value isn't down. Pass rusher value isn't down. Quarterback's value isn't down. Just running backs. Part of the market in the NFL. It's doing what the market does. Are the NFL owners trying to suppress salaries? Yeah, of course they are. They always do. That's what NFL owners do. Players are going to try and maximize their earnings. Owners are going to try and minimize their earnings. But they're not doing it more for running backs than they are everywhere else. It's not, there's no conspiracy against running backs. It's simply the market acting the way the market did. The franchise tag players who aren't running backs are out there getting deals. So the most important thing to talk about right off the bat is, yes, they have value. It's seen secondary, it's tertiary, quaternary value. And I don't have a problem with that. Nobody's angry about kicker salaries. No one's angry about long snapper salaries. No one's angry about punter salaries. The market is simply handling it because the market views them less because that's the way the current NFL is. And I understand it's not the NFL we were used to growing up with, but we live in a different world now. Things value differently. Things matter more. Running backs were glamour positions, Quarterbacks are glamor positions. Wide receivers are glamor positions. Pass rushers. Passing and stopping the pass is glamor. Running and stopping the run is not. So now that we've established that it is what it is when it comes to running back value, it's the market operating the way the market is supposed to operate, and I don't actually think it's an actual problem. I'm going to put on my, if it was a problem, how would we fix it hat? I'm going to go through a couple ideas. Stick with me. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We are flying through today's podcast. Running back value, big part of the discussion. I ended before the break saying, uh, I don't think it's a problem. If it was, here's what I would do to fix it. Let's go through some solutions that I've seen thrown out there. Make their rookie contracts shorter. I think this actually exacerbates the issue. One of the reasons why team drafts players is they have team control. It's a phrase you don't hear a lot in NFL world. You hear it a lot in baseball, how much team control you have. And if you shorten running backs, rookie contracts to like three years or something, that makes them less likely to be drafted high. And if they are less likely to be drafted high, they're less likely to be valued later on on the free agent market. Because that's one of the things that we've established already in economy. Higher draft pick value carries through your career. If you're a first round pick, you get more contracts, bigger contracts, because people believe in you more because the league did. It's this hive mind thing. And if you drive down where all of a sudden running backs only ever get drafted on day three, then yeah, they're going to hit free agency earlier, but teams are going to be less likely to ha- try and hold on to them, even more less than they are, even less than they are now because they're not going to have the sunk cost, which is bad for running backs. We want the sunk cost fallacy to exist if you're trying to help running backs. And you're going to less likely to have people, oh man, first round, man, first round talent. Oh, second round talent. Maybe, you know, we can fix him. I don't think that helps the market, market for running backs at all. Another idea I've seen thrown out there. Make them immune from the rookie wage scale. They're just not going to get drafted at all. It'll just be a free agent for running backs. Which is okay, I guess. They'll draft them all round seven just so they can do it. I don't even know how that would work from a functional standpoint. Just have them get drafted but not be draft slotted? So you get drafted, how would you determine how much that they get paid? Are you saying they don't even enter the draft? They all go as free agents? Then now all of a sudden you're going to be having people beg their college programs to list them as running backs so that they can avoid it's just it gets super messy really fast. How about the changing of the tag? Saw this one. Change a tag so that it's three positions. Quarterback, non-quarterback and defense which means you'll have teams less likely to tag players because they're going to get tagged at a higher salary. Yeah, they'll hit free agency earlier because no teams are going to want to tag them. But have you seen the free agent market for running backs right now? It's it's not great. Free agent running backs are not overly well thought of because you're only getting there one year earlier now. From a ta- very Very rarely do running backs get tagged twice in a row. It's really pretty odd so yeah you're getting them tagged less which helps them hit free agency maybe a year earlier which would be helpful but I think I have a better solution the NFL currently has a rule that says that you got to be three years out of high school there's two problems with running backs longevity and replaceability we've already talked about value replaceability is a function of their value There's nothing I can do about that. That is a function of NFL offenses. NFL offenses do not view running backs as being irreplaceable because the NFL offense doesn't flow through the talent of the running back. The talent of the running back doesn't move the needle significantly in teams that win big games all the time. You've probably seen a million times the Super Bowl winning teams and their leading rusher. Over the last decade or so. And it's not great, Bob. So I can't really do anything about replaceability. That's simply a function of NFL offenses. But we can do something about longevity. What if we took that three year out of high school. And took it to one. You got to be one year out of high school. One of the fundamental issues. With running backs. We've talked about this before. I have no interest in seasoning a running back. I don't want to put the running back on the bench for a year. Famously, when the Buffalo Bills drafted Devin Singletary, I ranted and raved on the podcast. I gave it an F and I said, this becomes a B if they cut LaShawn McCoy. Then they cut LaShawn McCoy because I don't want to spend a day two pick on a running back and then sit him on the bench. You are wasting one of the prime years of a running back's career in a time when they don't have a lot of prime years. Why? Because by the time they come out of college... They've used up a huge chunk of their prime. They hit their prime earlier and they degrade faster. So let them get to the NFL faster. They can spend more of their career in the NFL. Listen, if you're making a ton of money in college from NIL, by all means, more power to you, stick around. But if you think you can jump to the NFL and get something moving and start getting that contract Where you get drafted in the second round at age 19, you're about to be 20, and you get out of your contract at 23, you get tagged at 24, then you, even if you get four years, you get tagged, and then you hit the free agent market, you're still 25 instead of 27, 28, 29. That might let you get another two-year contract. Ah, oh, Bruce is a safety issue. Okay. The market will take care of that. The market will deal with that. If they're not ready, if they don't have an NFL body, and first off, a lot of people do. Have you seen some of these 20-year-olds? They have NFL bodies. But if they don't, then the draft commission will probably tell them, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. But the reason why I want one year out of high school is because I want them to get into a college wait and nutrition program for a year, which will help them prepare for the NFL. I think it's one of the best things you could do for running backs. It helps all the players. It just happens to help running backs more. So that's my idea. Do I think it's broken? No, I don't think it's broken. But if you wanted my idea on how to fix it, I'm a problem solver, baby. I think it's one of the better ideas out there as far as the method by which you could do this. But that stuff's got to be collectively bargained. And it's probably going to start with an 18-game season, which we know the NFL wants. Again, the NFL owners 100% want to suppress salaries. They do. And NFL players want to maximize them. One of the best things running backs can do is don't spend a huge chunk of your prime running in college. Spend them running in the NFL. The prime of a running back is... 24, 25, 26, 27. The prime of a receiver, 27, 28, 29, 30. Quarterbacks can be really, really good into their mid-30s. Also can offensive linemen. Let running backs get to the NFL earlier if they so choose. They don't have to. But if they choose to, that means they can get through their contract. They can get through their potential tag two years earlier than they currently are. Which means they're now hitting the market, even with all that team control, earlier. Where they still have tread on the tires. They still have people who aren't worried about them butting up against a 29-year-old wall. Not everybody's Derrick Henry. Keep thinking Derrick Henry's going to hit a wall. I thought he was going to hit a wall two years ago. Just keeps going. Because he's a freak. And for those non-freakish people out there, they can get there a little bit earlier. So, replaceability, longevity. I can't do anything about replaceability. It's value. We just talked about it. We spent the entire first part of the podcast talking about it. But I can do something about longevity. That's my idea. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We solved all the world's problems in one podcast. Look at us go. Pat yourself on the back. We did it. And if your significant other comes to you and says, why are you walking around with some undeserved pride on your face? You can say, I solved all the world's problems today. And if you don't like it, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.